welcome to today's podcast, Unlocking the Future of Public Safety in the Cloud from Hexagon. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. I'm your host, Brian. Today, we'll be discussing the disruptive nature of cloud in government. Joining me today is Diana Parker, Worldwide Public Sector Government Industry Leader at Microsoft. Diana, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much, Brian. Appreciate it. Well, I want to know a little bit about you, and I know our, our listeners want to hear about you too. So tell us about yourself. What do you do specifically? And also, what do you nerd out on for fun? Uh, thanks, Brian. So my name's Diana Parker, as you said, and I have the privilege of leading Microsoft's government business globally. Uh, I am originally from the UK. I grew up in London, but four years ago, I moved out to Microsoft's headquarters in Redmond uh, in Washington State. So I live in the Pacific Northwest. Nice. Beautiful this time of year. Yeah. Somewhat rainy at other times of the year. <laughs> uh, but being from the UK, of course, I can relate to that. It feels very at home. So it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. In terms of nerding out, I love it when we get to actually see Mount Rainier. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've started following Storm, uh, the WNBA women's basketball in the last couple of years. Fantastic. And uh, I was there at the weekend watching them sadly lose. Yeah. But uh, but raise Sue Bird's number 10 up to the rafters for posterity. So love it. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a basketball fan as well and uh, do love the Pacific Northwest. Did get to see him out Rainier the last time I was there. Good. Luckily, which was amazing. So that's great. I love it. All right. Well, let's dive in. So tell us uh, a little bit about. Well, let's do this. The government uh, organizations, especially public safety agencies, you know, we know that they're looking to move their systems to the cloud. So let's talk about what you believe is actually driving in this movement. What are you seeing moving in the future and that kind of thing? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. And I think there's an element of they can't afford not to anymore. There's a recognition that the momentum of the use of cloud has kind of reached that tipping point, I think. And, and governments are more willing and more able to adopt the cloud. So I think regulation starting to catch up. Some of those notions that were very set in on-premise worlds are starting to change. But we do still see challenges. We see uh, tenders, procurements come out that are very CapEx-focused still because that's the way that governments are used to procuring. So I think we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But certainly there's the, the sheer momentum of cloud. And then, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, the amazing capabilities that the cloud brings that simply aren't available on-premise. And those are due to the scale and the capability of, of the big tech vendors and the hyperscale cloud providers. And there's a recognition by governments now that they can't match that. So they have, I guess, pretty much no choice now but to embrace the technology. Yeah, I like that. So, well, let's talk about those advantages then of moving to the cloud and especially with critical services too. You can even discuss those. Yeah, look, there's probably two really major reasons why you move to the cloud. One is scale and the flexibility that comes with that scale. And as you start to look at things like AI models, being able to replicate that scale on-premise just isn't a sensible thing for any government to be doing. Yeah. Um, or, or even probably poss possible at this point with all of the supply chain challenges that we face. But then the other is security. And it's one of those interesting things that, some organizations still worry about security in the cloud, but the reality is that security in the hyperscale cloud is far greater than any organization can manage themselves. Just to give you an idea of scale, I mean, Microsoft spends over a billion dollars a year on looking after our security, whether that's driving the security portfolio or whether that's our cyber defense operations centers and the like. Yeah. 
Last year, we blocked over 70 billion email and identity threat attacks. And you, and you can imagine the kind of data that we get out of that. And then you've got the hyperscale capacity to be able to actually analyze that data, take action, to be yeah. able to detect, protect, and respond to those cyber threats. We have 8,500 security personnel. Wow. <laughs> and you, you just can't replicate that in an on-premise or, or you know, an old-fashioned legacy data center scenario. So it's by far the most secure place actually for organizations to be today. Interesting. Yeah. That does make sense. I like that. Okay. Well, thank you for those examples, by the way, too. It's, it's nice to hear numbers and, you know, the specifics too, because it kind of gives a, a little bit of, oh, wow. I, mean, I, I didn't know that myself. So that's actually incredible. What are some of the new disruptive capabilities that agencies can take advantage of when it comes to, you know, the cloud? And like you said, even just some of the um, on-prem tech, you know, there's, there's, well, there's all kinds of stuff I know with this, but like, let's, let's even talk about generative AI as an example as well. But, but talk about some of those disruptive capabilities. Let's just go with that. I think in terms of, of disruptive capabilities, it does go across the broad range. And, and I will talk about generative AI because if okay. I didn't, then yeah. I think, you know, I'd, I'd be in big trouble. Especially now, yeah. Um, but it's even things like the capability to be able to, in real time, massively increase the scale or the capacity of your compute to respond to an unexpected event. You know, that's something that to do on premise is incredibly difficult. But yeah, in the cloud, yeah. that kind of scale and flexibility is there. I think uh, public safety organizations in particular, some are really on the leading edge and they really do embrace the capabilities. If I think about someone like Western Australia, uh, the Western Australia police specifically, they really are looking at how they can use the cloud capabilities right at the edge. So you can imagine they have to respond for search and rescue in really austere environments. Mm -hmm. Environments where without technology, they were having to drive 30, 40 minutes just to get a cell phone signal to be able to mm. call back to HQ. So you can imagine there, they've, they're highly manual processes. Nobody's able to really communicate with one another. It's a really difficult environment. But by working with partners like Microsoft, like Hexagon, we've actually created something called the Tactical Command Vehicle. Hmm. And what this is it, it, at its heart is a, um, a command and control environment, but in a really small mobile footprint. And with that, what they're able to do is actually maintain access to the systems that they would normally use. They're able to maintain open lines of communication to their headquarters, which is hundreds of miles away at this point. They're able to use drones to actually identify people and vehicles and distinguish between them so that they can then tell, well, where are our team right now in the field? Yeah. Where are there other interesting points? And, and it's not just people and vehicles that happens to be the, the, uh, the trial that we did with Western Australia Police. But you can actually teach the AI to recognize anything from any given set of information. So if you think about the thousands of pieces of data collected in a forensic investigation, for example, and then think about the amount of digital data that mm -hmm. uh, police forces are having to contend with these days. By applying AI, the capability of AI and the scale of the cloud, you can actually go through thousands, hundreds of thousands of pieces of data. And within hours or even minutes, you can actually identify new investigative baths that may have taken months or never been found by human investigators. But I think at this point, and generative AI, of course, then comes into the mix. And yeah. people tend to think that this is, this is the first time AI has kind of been big and, and been available. But of course, it's in everything that we use today. 
already deeply embedded oh, there. Yeah. And emergency services are taking advantage of AI. But generative AI does give us a different, I guess, window into the possibilities. And of course, because it's made its way into the consumer world, we know that the communities that are served by our public safety customers are going to expect to start to see the use of generative AI. So specifically, generative AI is really great at things like content creation, at reasoning over structured and unstructured data, mm-hmm at things like summarization. So you put that into the context of an investigation and really you can act as a co-pilot, I guess, to those experienced senior officers. Okay. Are there any concerns right now, you know, with how AI is, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's good, but it's not perfect. So are there any concerns with that kind of thing with, you know, talking about acting like as a co-pilot, but obviously it's a great tool. It helps us. Um, but what are the concerns that we should be aware of and that kind of thing moving forward? Hey, look, um, there's a huge amount in the press that I, I, I won't repeat, partly for time and partly because I think it's, it's covered in much more detail. And, and these are really nuanced topics. But I think what's important to note is Microsoft has been on a responsible AI journey since 2017. We have a set of responsible AI principles. We share those. On June the 8th, we released a set of AI commitments that I'd recommend anyone who's looking to adopt AI reads and understands. We share with with customers and with partners how we think about responsible AI, what the governance, what the systems and tools look like to ensure it's rigorously adopted. Because for sure, just left to its own devices, there, there, are, there are very valid concerns and issues. Sure, yeah. And that's why we highly recommend that you are using AI to complement your human workforce, particularly in these public safety scenarios. And if you think about, there are certain scenarios, certain questions that you'd be quite happy to be automatically answered, either because they're very simple or because they're not life-threatening or Mm life-critical. You know, where's my nearest police station? What are the opening hours? How do I report my lost dog? You know, there's a bunch of things that you could use generative AI for quite reasonably. But then there are other things that today we want to make sure that there's that human element, that the, that the police officers, that the first responders are making the decisions. But the important thing is that generative AI is giving them a different level, a different quality of information from which to make those decisions. I love that. No, that's a, that's a really great approach that Microsoft is taking. I think it's great. And it is interesting, you know, just to hear from different industries and all over the world to people talking about how they've been using AI how it has affected, you know, and, and most of the time it's a very positive, you know, impact, which is wonderful. But at the same time, they kind of go, okay, yeah, there's still those limitations. And that's why the need for humans is so important still. Agreed. And I love that. So, all right, well, thank you very much for, for doing that. Now, what tips or advice would you have for public safety officials, you, you know, looking to deploy cloud-based technologies, maybe even some generative AI as well, in addition to what we just talked about? Hey, look, I think one of the really key things is to make sure that your policies and regulations are in the right shape but really understand your use cases. What are you trying to achieve? And then it's about actually deploying. So it's about starting with a data strategy, making sure you can migrate your data to the cloud. It's really important to note, you can't take advantage of generative AI unless your data's in the cloud. So now is the time to get your data in the right state, to classify it properly, to understand what data you've got and where it resides, and to think about how you might use it in the future. Uh, then it's about starting to actually apply that data meaningfully, building intelligent apps, for example. 
And you can get ready for things like Copilot, which Microsoft is launching for Microsoft 365. So that's the office platform and beyond by making sure that you and your agency, that you're on the Microsoft 365 platform, that it's not an on-premise solution that, that can't take advantage of those capabilities. And then just touching on security again, there's also Security Copilot. And there we recommend deploying Microsoft Defender and Sentinel. But really it's about what are those steps and it all starts, the foundation is your data, making sure it's in the right state to go into the cloud and then taking the steps to get it there. And those are things that both partners like Hexagon and Microsoft ourselves can help customers both to plan for and to actually execute. Excellent. Love it. Where do you see the future of cloud in government going? So I think it goes without saying that the pace of adoption has lagged behind the commercial sector. And I think what we're seeing is the pandemic to some extent kickstarted the adoption of cloud at much greater scale and pace. And we need to see that continuing. I think public safety agencies rightly want to do that in a thoughtful way, an intentional way, but the fact remains they have to do it. So I think we'll see greater adoption of the cloud, a continuing adoption of the cloud. I, I don't expect to see people building their own data centers in, in the coming years, although right now we are ironically still seeing that. Um, and I just think you're missing out on the opportunity to embrace all the new technology that's going to come. It's generative AI today. It may be quantum tomorrow and then something no one's even thought of yet Mm -hmm. in a few years after that. And unless you're in the cloud, you're going to miss out on that. You're going to be behind the curve. And that doesn't just mean maybe not serving your community in the best way possible. That means exposing yourself to cyber criminals much, Mm. much more. because they will always go for the low-hanging fruit, if you like, the easy target. And it's a bit like you sit and look at two houses, one's got a burglar alarm and one doesn't, then it's pretty clear where you're going to start first. And that's very much what being in the cloud or not being in the cloud is going to look like in the future. Sure. Okay. Well, that's that's good and and good to know. And I I hope people will actually take that advice and get in the cloud. I I feel like, you know, they're finally getting there, but like you said, it's lagging and, and hopefully we'll see that that improve in the, in the near future. Yeah, I'm sure we will. And of course, Hexagon and Microsoft are here to help make that happen. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Diana, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for giving this great advice, good information and taking the time to join me. Well, thanks for having me today, Brian. It's been great. Absolutely. Diana Parker, Worldwide Public Sector Government Industry Leader at Microsoft. And thank you very much for joining us and listening today. To learn more about turning your public safety vision into reality, head on over to hxgnpublicsafety.com. Have a wonderful day. Thanks again for listening.